Hi, this is Angie Meadows. And this is Josh Bond. And this is The Rocket Recovery. We are on the Spirit and Soul Disconnect book, Lesson 7. So today, Josh, we're going to talk about the trial of rejection. All of us have um, different things in our life that reject us, and this rejection can become a trauma wound if we don't reshape it and use it for the glory of God. Start right there. Emotional maturity allows us to be transparent, confident, and unaffected by rejection emotional maturity so all of my writings and all of my work is on emotional maturity because if i'm immature then my emotions are going to drive me and emotions are blind guides they're going to lead me in a ditch every time so start with the introduction the spirit of bondage keeps us looking to man for approval the spirit of adoption knows our security is in christ and we can be unaffected by the rejection of others you did not receive Again, a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, bondage. But you receive the spirit of sonship, adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Romans eight fifteen. So I need to understand the difference between what it is in being in fear and what it is of being in faith. If I'm in fear, I'm in bondage. I'm in anxiety and stress and fretfulness. And I forgot who I was. I forgot that I'm a child of God and I've got a papa. Yes. That Abba means Papa, Papa. And a lot of times if you didn't have a good father, it's really weird. It feels really weird to cry for Papa because you know he's coming with a belt or he's coming with judgment or a heavy hand. He's not coming out of love. So a lot of us have to spend time healing over the father and mother wounds in our life so that we can receive the love of God. And what I tell my kids that I work with is when they can't feel God, it's because their heart's wounded and they're protecting themselves. So they have to open up their hearts, enlarge their hearts, so they can receive the love of God. Think about it. Jesus did not need acceptance. He was completely unaffected by rejection. He was rejected by his hometown, the Pharisees, religious leaders, and even his own people. Matthew 13, 57, Mark 8, 31, Luke 17, 25. Yet he was so secure in the Father's love that he was totally unaffected. Jesus never doubted the Father's love for him. He did not doubt, nor was he preoccupied with himself, but he went to the mountain often and stood in the presence of, fa of Father, God. Matthew fourteen twenty three. the truth is more like Jesus we become. The more rejection we should experience, Matthew 10, 24, and 25. Yeah, he said if they, re if they <clears throat> rejected me, they're going to reject you. Um, and so... As we become more Christ-like, as we follow God with our whole heart and soul, we're going to be gone. We're going to be like salmon swimming upstream. We're going to be gone against the grain, and people won't understand. And so we're going to have to just, un we're going to have to embrace the love of God in such a way that our hearts burn. And we know that we know that we know we can find his presence anytime. And, and Josh, sometimes I have anxiety. And if I don't sit down with the Lord, it's going to be there for a day or two. Yes. But if I can just sit down and say, Lord, I, where are you? I've got to find you. And then I connect with my breath. I connect with my inner self. And I connect with my peace. I remember that peace is my inheritance and that anxiety is bondage. So that what I want to do is, is sit there 
until I can meditate upon his love for me. I can get in his word. I can get a scripture. I can start talking to myself through the love of God and not through the different kinds of rejection that I might feel. So go through these different types of rejection that might uh, we might be dealing with. Unwanted by parents, abused, used, and violated, cursed and verbally assaulted, mocked, scorned, and unfairly treated or misunderstood, robbed, raped, swindled, or manipulated, divorced, or rejected by intimate lover, abandonment, neglect, betrayal by a trusted friend, and domestic violence. Adult children reject you. Yeah, you can even have your adult children that you raised all your life reject you, and that's another form of rejection. So all of these forms of rejection, uh, if I see them coming, and I see, oh, this is a wolf, this person has no capacity to love me, you know, like a coworker or even a parent that's abused me for years, if I see that coming, I got my defenses up. But sometimes we get attacked by people that we love. Yeah. And That's people definitely. that are supposed to protect us. Yeah. And, and particularly if these, uh, this type of rejection happen as a child, it's going to affect your trust muscle. You're, you're going to have difficulty learning how to trust. So I want you to connect with your heart. I want you to connect with Scripture. I want you to be able to breathe in the love of God. I am loved with an everlasting love. Uh, he's going to draw me with his loving kindness. Underneath are the everlasting arms. I want to talk to. You. I want you to talk to yourself in the words of the love of God. Inner brokenness makes us vulnerable to give and receive rejection wounds. Ugh. Inner brokenness makes me vulnerable to give and receive wounds. Yeah. So I might be the one giving those wounds. Yeah. So I need to realize that if I'm doing that. I'm gonna I'm gonna be inflicting myself at the same time. Yes. It's like a double two sided sword. I'm poking you, but at the same time, it's cutting me. It's, yes. And it's cutting open that that old wound that I should have already dealt with and released, and I didn't. So let's look at some subtle forms of rejection: avoidance, false promises or flattery, closed body language, growling, grumping or sighing, arguing or mental dominance. Love without reciprocation. Reciprocation, yes. Lying, slandering, or gossiping. So anytime you're in a relationship that should be a really close relationship and the person has withdrawn their heart from you, that's as bad. Even if they're doing it through avoidance, that's as bad as being beat. Yes, because definitely. You, you know, especially if you're a child and, you're, and your parent won't connect their heart to you, and you don't feel valued and seen, that's a deep wound. And so as we are dealing with these wounds and looking at them, I want you to name them. I want you to write them down. Write down that icky list and say, oh, here's another wound. Here's another wound. And and what we're going to do is learn to forgive and release those to God and ask him to reshape them. Okay, keep reading here. We all have a need to be loved. The wound of rejection closes our spirits off to others and God. We may not know how to process rejection and end up with bitterness or perpetual grieving. This may be an attempt to protect ourselves from repetitive wounding. If I believe lies of rejection, this will create torment and separate my spirit from my soul, and I will live in anxiety, perpetual grieving, and not faith. This is idolatry. Idolatry. Idolatry, yes. Anything that separates me from God is adultery. Wow. 
I don't, anything that separates me from God, well, that would mean if I focus on my anxiety, I have just made it my idol. Yes. Like, how dumb is that? To give anxiety that kind of power over me. Why would I not connect to the love of God and to my father, my Abba Father, and say, Lord, I trust you with all my heart. Uh, Your word says that you're going to protect me. Your word says that your name is a high tower. Your word says that you'll never leave me or forsake me. Why not talk to the Lord out of love and connect with love and not anxiety? So a rumination of rejection wounds is an attempt to process the emotional pain, but only allows it to be justified and cling to us deeper. So if I ingrain that rejection, what I'm going to do if I embrace rejection is I'm probably going to make bullets out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and those bullets are going to be to defend myself against the next person that comes along and says something, does something that looks like, feels like, smells like what happened to me in the past. So if you're making bullets and attacking people that you love and you don't know why you're doing it and you're sad after you've done it, I want you to start going back and repenting. That's just a habit. It's a protection mechanism. It's a survival mechanism, particularly if you were raised in domestic violence or you've been married in domestic violence or if you've been abused. These things, these patterns have been ingrained and we got to go back and we got to look at these and change them. So let's work on the lesson. I've seen that a lot, actually. It was one of my worst flaws, something I still work on today, like pushing people away, being aggressive to people that don't need to be aggressive to just because of me, the things I haven't let go. You know what I mean? Before recently, like Mm -hmm. before I've actually started working on them, truly. You know what I mean? I've always put walls up until I truly gave myself to God this time through. Like, I never trusted anybody because the people that I was supposed to love the most is the people that hurt me the most. You know what I mean? Right. So. And and then when that happens, we just follow emotions. And when we're following emotions, we can't even trust ourselves. That's a fact. Because we're driven by those emotions. And so that keeps us, yeah, in a yo-yo, keeps us in a trap. So if you can't trust yourself... Start working on trusting yourself, to always be kind to yourself, to always give yourself grace, to give yourself uh, an extra dose of love, a healthy love for yourself. And that's what I call a sanctified self, not a selfish self. But if I'm not taking care of me, it's going to be very difficult for me to take care of somebody else. That's a fact. Rejection, if handled properly, is a special tool of training for God's chosen servant, or it becomes a path of destruction. Hmm. David was rejected by his family. He was not considered a son to gather with his brothers when the prophet Samuel called all his father's children, and then later he was rejected by his brothers. He was falsely accused, and Saul was jealous and misunderstood his motives and sought to kill him for years. Hmm. So David, you know, Saul, I'm sorry, Samuel went to Jesse's house, which was David's father. God had sent him there and said, the next king of Israel is coming out of Jesse's house. And so he goes and he says, call all your sons. And so he did. And he goes down through every one of them and he looks at the oldest one and he said, oh, he's a good looking man. Look how tall he is. He's very handsome. He's got to be the next king. And the Lord said, no, not him. So Samuel's very confused. And he looks at Jesse and he says, do you got any other boys? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we got that little one out in the field. But, you know, of course, he wasn't even considered a son enough to be called to dinner. Yes. He was just a little ruddy kid out there with the sheep. And so when Samuel, they saw him, the Lord said to him, there he is. There's a man after my own heart. There it is. He gets, he's out there. He's, he's singing to me. He's praising me. 
And you know, God had given him anointing and strength through his praises to kill a lion and a bear with his bare hands, which gave him the faith to be able to slay the giant Goliath later on. And then when he went to the battle where Goliath was accusing uh, the, the people of Israel, nobody would go out and fight a nine-foot giant. And David says, well, I'll fight him. Well, his brothers mocked him. Who do you think you are? <laughs> and again, when he was, he knew he was supposed to be king, but Saul was king. And he was going in and out of the palace, playing his harp for King Saul to help him overcome his depression. And he became really good friends with his son, Jonathan. But then Saul realized that, oh, wait a minute. He's God's anointed, and people praise him. And so he sought to kill him. For years, David had to run from Saul. And so everywhere he went, he was rejected. So let's keep on. The story in 2 Samuel 13 through 19 outlines the poor judgment of Absalom. Absalom when his father, King David, rejected him. David's son, Ammon, raped his half-sister, Tamar, and David did not correct him. So Tamar's full brother, Absalom, and Ammon murdered. Then David rejected Absalom and refused him. This led to Absalom's destructive path and eventually his death. Even though David overcome multiple forms of rejection, he could not translate this into his life skills to teach his son. David's, David's rejection of his son, Absalom, give us examples of how to cope with rejection in the spirit and in the flesh. So David didn't correct Absalom when he had his brother killed, but he didn't correct Amnon when he raped Damar. And because he had the sin with Bathsheba, he probably didn't feel like he could go and correct his sons after, you know, maybe he failed himself, even though he had said, oh, I'm the man, correct me, Lord. Uh, and he had gotten different corrections from the Lord, he still did not have the understanding that um, this rejection of Absalom after he did, after he protected his sister, because I didn't, is going to be a really deep wound. So Absalom decided that he was going to take over the kingdom, that he was going to take his father off the throne, and that he was going to be the next king. So let's go down through what David's heart looked like. And then we'll go through what Absalom's heart looked like. And I'll tell you a little bit about the story of Absalom. So let's go through David. Uh, Spirit of praise, Psalm 18.3. Secret place, shelter, Psalm 91.1. Receive hope, Psalm 42.5. Confidence, refuge in God's in God, Psalm 118.8. Shepherd's heart, Psalm 78.70-72. Practice kindness. 2 Samuel 9 1. Develop loyalty. Psalm 63 8. Become a man after God's own heart. 1 Samuel 13 14. Courageous, strong. Psalm 27 14. Deep grieving and acceptance. 2 Samuel 18 33. 19, 6 through 8. Hmm. So David had all these things that happened in his life. And every time he turned to the Lord, he came and he said, I'm going to praise you anyway. And then he came and he said, Lord, hide me in that secret place. And then he came and said, my hope is in you. And then he came and he said, you are my refuge, Lord. And then all this rejection made him understand what rejection felt like. And he developed a shepherd's heart for the people of Israel. And then he practiced kindness with his um with King Saul's son, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, he, where most of the times when a king come in, he killed all the 
old king's family. He didn't do that. He practiced kindness. He practiced loyalty. And God called him a man after his own heart. Even with his failures, he was still going to say, creating me a clean heart and renewing me a steadfast spirit in Psalms 51. He said, I'm going to be courageous and strong and I'm going to fight for the Lord. And then when great tragedy happened, he grieved and then he accepted what he couldn't change. And then he praised the Lord again. He says, I'm, I'd, you know, there's one scripture that says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in your house than sitting with the wicked Lord. Amen. And that's what David decided. David decided, I don't care what comes at me. I don't care how wicked it is. I am going to save God. I'm going to praise God, praise God, praise God. But Absalom, once he uh, felt like his father's rejection came, then he betrayed his father. He got vengeful. He wanted to usurp authority. He got a little army together, and he was going after David's uh, people. He became making vows. I will never do this. I will never do that. I will never forgive. I'll never, never, never. So if you hear yourself making vows, it's time to back up and, and break those vows. Just because you made a vow uh, while in, out of your pain does not, I, I give you the right to break that. <laughs> and just go have confidence in the Lord that he can take anything and make it good. That's <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then Absalom was indulgent, he was self-promoting, he was destructive, he was reckless and abusive, he was disrespectful to his father, and eventually he had this gorgeous hair, and he got caught in a tree while he was in the battle against David's men. And there, his horse ran out from underneath him, and there he was, hanging in the tree, and uh, King David's um, general went and stabbed him and killed him. And so let's keep going. That's the story that we're basing the rejection, the difference in rejection on. Rejected destructive thinking or behaviors of the wound of rejection today. Read that again. Rejected reject. destructive thinking or behaviors of the wound of rejection today. Yeah, I want you to reject all that destructive thinking and the behaviors that came out of it. If Absalom had learned that these behaviors was out of his uh, wound, he might have been able to turn them around and serve the Lord. Keep going. Instead, turn the suffering of rejection into the development of a heart after God, just as David did. So practice rejecting. Rejection. <laughs> I practice rejecting, rejecting. I reject the rejection that you're rejecting me with. I'm just not <laughs> going to do it. And, you know, I know that that's like a little girl up on your head. But, you know, if not, buddy, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grip you with a wound that's going to take you a long time to get over. And if I'm wounded inside, I'm going to wound others. If I don't love myself and that rejection taught me to not love myself, it's going to be difficult for me to be in healthy relationships and love others. So here's the application. I'm going to give you three steps to break the power of rejection. Let the love of God permeate until you are convinced of God's love for you. You cannot be healed looking at rejection. Healing comes through receiving the grace to accept God's love and training. So you need to... You need to look at the ick, icky stuff, but then you need to move it. It's not you. It's in the past. It doesn't have to go forward with you. And you can receive God's grace right now in the present. Number two. Follow the, follow the example of Jesus. Lord, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Luke twenty three thirty four. And you know, Stephen said these same words when he was being stoned to death. And, and I have said these words when people have wounded me. Uh, and it's powerful yeah. if you just say them over and over again. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. All of a sudden, you've got this mercy that you didn't have before. Yeah, and you got a strength. Instead yeah. of them being in power, you're in yeah, power. That's right. You've taken back your power. Yes. Yeah, so now you're not sitting in anxiety. You're sitting in grace. 
Number three. Release every offender and every offense. Lord, wash away every sin that name offender has done against me. So I want you to name your offender, and I want you to say, Lord, release me from being you know, under the power of this offender and release every offense that this person did to me. And I just ask that you just wash it away. Now, it does not mean that I give this person a right to come back and hurt me again. They've got to earn that right to be in my life. But it does mean that I don't give them a power to ruminate and to obsess and to self-blame and to sabotage my whole future because of what happened to me. That's true. Very true. Now let's look at the principle. A need for acceptance makes me vulnerable to repetitive rejection wounds. So if I have a need for acceptance, then I'm looking to please people and I'm looking for their affirmation. But what I want you to do is I want you to please God. In Galatians, I think it's 1.10, it says, If I am pleasing man, I have stopped pleasing yes. God. Yes. <laughs> so I want you to please God and then let let the letter rip. <laughs> you know, and a lot of times I'll tell people, you know, I can't do that today. Nope, that's not good and healthy for me. And, you know, I get a magnitude of abuse. It's almost like I just got thrown in the fire and heated <laughs> up seven times. It's yes. like, rah! And so then you know you're dealing with a, um, a person who doesn't really care about you. They yes. care whether or not they can use you. And so you have to just be strong enough to stand alone. And, and it's okay to do that. It's okay to know. You have to sit with it long enough to know what's best for you, to know who your abusers are, to know their capacity of whether or not they're able to love you or not, or whether or not they're not, they're just playing you. Yes. You know what God, they say? God said, those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. Mm. So nobody's ever going to re- prevail against you if they're playing you. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the end, God takes care of it all for real. So there's this... Uh, there's this one verse that says, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And, and I want to come in the name of the Lord, and I want to look and see who's blessing me for yes. coming that way. Yes. Instead of who's trying to take me and flip me and tell me that I'm uh, serving a fake God and you know, things yeah. like that. I want, I want to be like, no, this is, this, this is real. And, yes. and I want to dig into it until it's real in every area of my life. Because a lot of times I'm a divided person. I've got 20 little kids inside of me that are still running amok. And over the years, I'm going to need to take each and every one, the fearful one, the hopeless one, the selfish one, the, the, um, the depressed one, the, the, maybe even the one part that's suicidal. I need to take all these little guys, and I need to be able to love on them and help them heal. So just because I'm walking with the Lord does not mean I'm going to have it all right away. You're right. It's, it's a growing journey. It's a work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So right. start with the conclusion. The wounds of your past are to be released. They are not you. They do not define your worth. Repetitive wounding in the presence needs distance from this person and an emotional wall around my heart for protection. I am to love this unsafe person and with my mind and not with my heart. I can cover their immaturity in love and can serve them out of duty but they must earn the privilege to hold my heart safely Mm. so just don't give your heart away protect your heart with all diligence for out of it is the issues of life children do not have the skills to process rejection a rejection wound gets stuck in their soul and eats away at them so as an adult there may be things that happen that trigger that old rejection wound that you got as a child 
And as soon as you feel it, and it's powerful, and it's magnified 10 times, 100 times more than what it should be over this person just growling at you, I want you to release that. I want you to ask God to enlarge your heart enough to help you to forgive people, help you to forgive what they did to you, and cover that with mercy. Because if I don't tear down the ungodly stronghold of rejection and bitterness uh, and rebuild mercy, it's coming back. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I want you to keep doing it over and over and over again. And once I decide I am going to cut this wound, I'm going to cut it out of my life. I'm going to cut. The, I'm going to not give this rejection any power over me. It takes me about six weeks yeah. to just consistently feel it, uh, release it to God, and say I forgive. Lord, help me to forgive. And this forgiveness stuff's big and it's hard. And it's a process. Yeah, it definitely is. You're but right. at any point that I hold it, uh, yeah, I just tied the hands of God. Yeah. Now it's got to hold me. Yeah. Now I'm in bondage. Does that make sense? That's a fact. Okay. Because everything I do in my life, God, He forgives me. I mean, do I have more power <laughs> than God? Absolutely not. So I have to forgive for me. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So it doesn't matter who I'm working with. It doesn't matter if I'm working with a 10 or 11-year-old, a 20, 30, 40-year-old, or a 90-year-old. They're all like, so how do I forgive myself? How do I get rid of this guilt and shame? And, you know, I don't think it has to be very big in my life for the enemy to poke me with this guilt and shame. But the Word of God says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus to those who walk according to the Spirit and not the flesh. And if the blood of Christ was strong enough to forgive Moses's murder and redeem him to be the deliverer of Israel and to write the first five books of the Bible. And if it was strong enough to forgive Paul for his many murders and persecution of the church, and he wrote, you know, 12, 13 Bibles of the New Testament, then I want you to take everything that is hanging over you that you're rejecting yourself for, self-rejection and guilt and you'll know you're doing it because you'll be having all this guilt and shame a lack of confidence in this one area and you'll be repetitively wounded there i want you to give that all to the lord and say lord if you can make something of this please do and he's going to take it and transform it and i want you not to carry it because if you're carrying it what the lord showed me if i'm carrying my guilt then i'm being my own little martyr and i think that i need to do this that the blood of straw Christ was not strong enough, and it's actually a subtle form of arrogance. Yes. It's like a false humility to beat myself up. Yeah. So if you're beating yourself up, stop it. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> just just repent for that little false humility, that little pride, and just, just as soon as I figured out that, oh, this is false humility, this is pride, this is pride in reverse beating me up. I was able to instantly let go of it. Yes. It didn't have that kind of power over me. But as long as I'm thinking, oh, I need to do this, or I need to really feel it. Yeah, no, I don't need to. Yeah. I didn't let that thing go. All right, keep going. Uh, help. Help those struggling with rejection to pull up the wound into their conscience, thinking, and name it and release it from for, through forgiveness. If you are an adult with a wounded child inside, you are to do the same and then follow the example of David and become a mighty warrior in God. A mighty warrior. What would it look like to be a mighty warrior in God? <laughs> You'd be fighting in battles. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be hogtying you and pinning yeah. you to the ground with anxiety, would they? No. Okay. So here we're going to give you uh, one, two, three, four, five. We're going to give you several things that, that David did with the scriptures. So the first thing he did was praise. Psalm eighteen three. I will call upon the Lord, 
who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. Mm-hmm. I will call upon the Lord. <laughs> the next one is a secret place. Psalm 91, 1. He who dwells in the shelter, secret place, of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah, David knew how to find God's shadow and to hang out right there in the shadow of the Lord so he was safe. And the next thing David did was hope. Psalm 42, 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So he knew he was depressed, and he pulled that depression up, and he talked to himself. He said, hey, self, why are, why are you depressed? Now, we ain't, we, now yank out of that. We're, we're not going to be disturbed anymore. We're just going to go praise God. And, you know, that praise, wow, that's a shelter. That's a great and mighty place when there's horrible things happen to you in the past and maybe things that are going through right now, and you're just like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to praise you anyway. Yes. That's it, powerful. It is. That's it's, powerful. It breaks that nonsense. Yes. Okay, now the next thing David did was confidence. Psalms 118.8. Is it better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man? Yes, it is. It's better to trust the Lord. And then he developed a shepherd's heart. Psalm 78, 70 through 72. He chose David as also his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people of Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. Wow. So this rejection led him to be a strong leader. So when I can feel the wounds of rejection, then I can look in the face of any broken person and realize that, oh, what would it look like if I was hateful, mean, snippy, inconsiderate of them? I would trigger that little trauma wound of rejection. I I would hurt them a thousand times more than I might hurt a healthy, strong man if I was insensitive. But if I'm insensitive to somebody who's already wounded, it's going to be deep. So I just don't do that. And if if something comes out of my mouth that's like snippy, I I go back and apologize pretty quick because I don't want to wound anybody. All right, kindness. 2 Samuel 9.1, David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. So his best buddy was Jonathan, which was Saul's son. And uh, Jonathan knew that he was to be the next king. And he and David had a little deal. He said, now, when you become king, uh, would you remember me? Would you would you honor me? And David said, yes, I will. So while he was sitting at his table being king, he said, who's in Jonathan's house? Who's in Saul, King Saul's house? And Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. And when the kingdom fell apart, the nurse ran with him and broke his feet. And so he was lame all of his life, and David called him. And the, the young man, he was you know older now, he was worried that, okay, I'm being called so I can be killed because all of King Saul's family should have been killed when this was taken over. But instead, David said, you are as my son now. You're going to sit at my table the rest of your life. And I give you back all your father's land, and I even give you, I think it was Zibia's servants to run it for you. And he honored him. He was different. He had a confidence in God that he didn't worry about. He knew God gave him his kingdom, and he knew that uh, it wasn't going to be taken from him unless God took it from him, and it was okay. So the next one that David did was loyalty. Psalm 63, 8. My soul follows hard after you. Your right hand upholds me. Mm, So the right hand of God held David, but it held David because he ran after God with all of his heart. And probably when he was in trouble, he did it even more. Does that make sense? God, if you don't defend me, 
I'm a goner. <laughs> so he become a man after God's own heart. First Samuel thirteen fourteen, but now your kingdom will not endure. The prophet Samuel speaking to King Saul, the Lord has sought out a man after His own heart and appointed him leader of His people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. So as Samuel was prophesying, um, King Saul's kingdom was coming to an end because of his arrogance, because he did not trust in the Lord. And God raised up another man to take his place. So I want to be always after God, trusting in the Lord with my whole heart. And when I stumble and I fall, I want to repent and I want to come back. I don't want to carry that. I want to, now there, if there's going to be a while, there's going to be some toxicity, some dirt on me. I got to go get my feet washed. But it did not break me from salvation and my union with God unless I allow it to. So if you got hurt in church, I want you to get up. I want you to shake it off. I want you to realize you didn't go to church because the people there were nice to you. You went to church to praise God. Amen. So I want you to get up. I want you to go to church. I want you to praise the Lord. I want you to get your eyes off of people and go to different places until you find a place that you you think, okay, God called me here. And yeah, those are going to stumble and stagger, but I can support them. I can give them the affirmation, the validation, the affection, and the approval that I need from them. I can give it to them. Yes. Because they need it as much as I do. You're right. So David took everything that was could have been rejection, and he built courage. Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen: Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Hmm. The next thing he did when Absalom died, he was very upset because he had told his general, do not kill my son Absalom. Well, Joab knew that Absalom was stubborn and hard-headed and that he wasn't going to stop until mm-hmm. he killed David. And he was going to protect David. So that's, uh, this scripture is when Absalom died. Grieving. Second Samuel eighteen thirty three, The king, David, was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Mm. So he was grieving. Uh, Horrible things happened. His son turned on him. His son rejected him because of uh, all the different family circumstances. And, you know, things were too far gone now. And now Absalom was gone, and he was definitely grieving. So there is a time to grieve. And then this is what he did next. He chose acceptance. Second Samuel nineteen six through 8. You love those who hate you. Now this is the general talking to David. Uh, and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than any than all the calamities that have come upon you from your youth until now. So the King David got up and took his seat in the gateway. Whew. He had to get through that pretty quick. Yeah. He had to remember the, the the greater good for his kingdom. He had to remember his call. His call was to be the king of Israel um, and not to get stuck in that rejection or that suffering. So acceptance is the key to stop suffering. Acceptance of what I cannot change and a release to God, all the people or things I cannot control. 
Uh, isn't that a, a really strong thing in recovery? Yes. Not, not to fix manager yes, control. You're right. <laughs> so everything that's causing you anxiety, I want you to think about, am I trying to fix managing control things? And is there stuff here I can't fix? I can't change? It's not even my responsibility. Yes. I just have to accept the way that it is. It goes, uh, pray, because we say it in a prayer, prayer for the courage to accept the things I cannot change. And you know wisdom. what I mean? Wisdom to, to carry it out. To know the things to let go of. Yeah. Yep. yep. So pray us out of here, Josh. Father God, I need help. My rejection wounds are deep. Help me to forgive those who have intentionally or unintentionally wounded me. Help me to recognize when my rejection wound is being triggered and to practice healthy skills of rejecting rejection and develop skills to navigate growth and strength in the face of adversary. Adversity. Adversity. Help me get a vision of how you can turn all evil into good. Amen. Yes, Lord. Take it all, take it all, take it all, and yes. turn all the evil into good. And this was Angie Meadows. And this is Josh Bond. And we love you, and we're so happy that you joined us today. And this was Lesson 7 in the Spirit and Soul Disconnect book. If you want to hear it again, it's on our podcast, our Rocker Recovery podcast on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Pandora. And we'll see you later.